Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. I'm excited to be launching this quick four-week series called Fundamentals of Faith, where we look back on some of the basic tenets of why we do what we do. Uh, This week we are in John chapter 14. Check out the sermon here. Good morning. My name is Sherry Vahey, and I'm here with some of my very incredible JV friends who are gonna help read today. I'm here with Josie and with Kaya, and they're gonna take turns reading the scriptures. So you'll get to listen with new ears and new hearts and new voices. Today starts a a four-part sermon series on faith fundamentals. We begin by reading John chapter 14, verses one through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do not believe that I am in the Father and and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Holy words for God's people. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. Great to be with you. Uh, my name is Joe. I get to serve as a lead pastor here at Bothell United Methodist Church. I want to welcome all of you who are here on site, those of you who are here uh, online, uh, those of you who got a lot of sleep, and those of you who got maybe not so much sleep up here in the front row. Um, for those of you who don't know, our JV uh, program was here overnight uh, at a sleep uh, lock-in and, and activities and, and getting to learn each, know each other and So we're grateful for the ways that you all are serving and being part of our service today. You know, this week I um, didn't experience community in an interesting way. I I I was on a deadline, um, and I went to a coffee shop thinking that I would get some work done. Uh, I put on my headphones, but not the small kind that people can't see. Like, I intentionally brought the big kind that covered my ears, right? Like, I'm going to put my head down today, and I'm going to work. And I got like three hours of just nobody bothering me. 
and I went like this, and even if somebody kind of sat next to me, I kind of did one of these like, ah, okay, I'm going to keep working, right? And people were like, kind of like, excuse me, yeah, 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 okay, okay, go ahead, go through, right? And I was realizing kind of the, the heart and the posture that I was having in that moment, that I didn't want community. Now, I was busy, I had stuff to do, and I get that. But it reminded me of the posture that we take on. Because when I had on my big headphones, and when I had my face buried in my book, and when I was on the computer, nobody came to talk to me. I don't know why. I'm, I'm a nice-looking guy, right? I, I feel kind. But I gave off, right, the posture of, hey, leave me alone. Leave me alone. And I think that we often do that, even with faith, right? We often do this thing where we say, yeah, I might go to church, but you don't got to worry about that. I might be a person of faith. You don't got to worry about that. I'll just do my thing. I'll stay in my lane. You stay in yours. But what would it look like if we opened our hearts, if we opened our being, if we allowed for others to be part of our lives and our journeys? Imagine the world that we would live in. Imagine the openness that we would have with and for one another. And so that's our hope this morning, that while we have this little time together online and here on site, that we would experience that community, that vulnerability, that journeying with one another just for this little while. That for whatever's happening outside in the world today, that we would know that in this moment we make up that beloved community. Amen? We carry that posture, we show that posture of being open, of welcoming, of belonging. So we want you to know that for this little while, for exactly who you are, for who God created you to be, you are welcome and you belong. And we know that there are places where that's not true for everyone, where people are kept out and pushed out. And we want to name that if that has been your experience in places of worship, in church, we're sorry. And we hope you know that for this little while, you are welcome, you belong. That means for us is this, if you're gay or lesbian, transgender, bisexual, or questioning, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you're black or brown or indigenous, if you've been discriminated against because of the color of your skin, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you are single or divorced, partnered or separated, if you find yourself homeless or houseless or in the lower economic brackets of our community, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. With all of your unique gifts and abilities, created to be bearers of Christ's image to all the world, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. Amen? Amen. Just a couple announcements um, as we get started in the sermon this morning. Um, right after church, we will have fellowship time in the fellowship hall all the way down this long hallway to the left. We'll share in some refreshments, some cookies, some coffee, um, some uh, drinks. And then at 11, uh, we'll begin our Gathered and Sent program. We've been doing this since uh, for the past couple weeks. It's an opportunity for us to play together and to serve together and to learn together. Uh, today we'll meet at 11. We'll hear a little bit about the organization we're partnering with today. It's called Whale Scouts. Uh, they're a great organization uh, committed to serving our uh, environment. Uh, we'll learn a little bit about them, and then we will all head down to uh, Wayne Golf Course, former, form, what formerly known as uh, Wayne Golf Course. 
Um, some of you got that reference. That's cool. Um, but yeah, um, Wayne Golf Course, and um, we'll be uh, working with Whale Scouts to uh, clean uh, the park and to help our ecosystem. Next week, we'll be staying on site, and we're going to do uh, some board games. And so we want to invite you all to be part of that uh, next week as well as a way for us to get to know each other. Okay? Um, do I have anything else? Right after service, while some of you all are in the fellowship hall, if you are new to our area, if you want to get to know a little bit more about the life of our church, uh, Pastor Kristen and I and Brian will be in the lounge here uh, for our monthly uh, pizza with the pastors. Uh, it's a little early for pizza, so I think we have a pizza alternate um, this morning, but uh, it's a chance to get to know us, get to know the story of our church, get to know a little bit about all that's happening. It's a condensed version because we want to make sure that we have time to get together and sent, but meet us in the lounge right after service, um, and we'll uh, spend some time getting to know each other, okay? Anything else? No, that's good. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm going to go preach over here. Um, let's pray. <laughs> Oh God, be present here and in all the places from which we are worshiping. Move in us and through us that we too would be moved and changed. Speak to us, we pray. Less of me, more of you, none of me, all of you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Um, okay. Uh, a bit of Methodist news to start today. How about? Uh, some of you may have heard this. It's an incident that happened in Edmonds a couple weeks ago. Uh, Edmonds United Methodist Church a few weeks back. Uh, it sounds uh, during service one Sunday, uh, someone went around their parking lot uh, leaving notes on the windshield uh, with messages of hate against the LGBTQ community. Meanwhile, in Mississippi, uh, two United Methodist clergy women, Reverend Elizabeth Davidson and Reverend Paige Swam Presley, are now on involuntary leave and are awaiting church trial for officiating what some are interpreting as a same-sex wedding. Uh, the couple identify as non-binary, and they are former students of these United Methodist College chaplains who asked them to officiate their wedding. And later this afternoon, uh, Pastor Kristen and I and other members of the Pacific Northwest Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church will be called to a special session to vote to ratify the disaffiliation of 17 United Methodist churches in our conference who have chosen to no longer be United Methodist. And I was thinking about all these situations. And I was thinking about how on the surface they all have sexuality and orientation and gender identity at their core. But I wonder if there's something deeper. I wonder if what's really at stake is the fear of having a faith that one can't control. This is the way that I know God. This is the way that I understand God and how I understand all that's happening around me. And therefore... This is the way that everyone must know God. This is the way that everyone must understand God and what's happening around us. But what happens when our faith is bigger than ourselves? What happens when we allow ourselves to let go of certainty and to move into the mystery of God?
We're in uh, John 14 uh, today, and, and I want to help get a better sense of where we are in the context of Jesus' life, and so we're going to go back to John 13 for just a little bit. And there we find Jesus gathered with his disciples, uh, eating with them, washing their feet. He, he's, he's foretelling his betrayal by Judas and the denial by Peter. Tomorrow he's going to die, so tonight he tells them, his disciples, his friends, he tells them to love each other, and in the same breath, he tells them that he's leaving, that he can only be with them for a bit longer, that where he is going, they cannot come. And the disciples, they're, they're confused, right? They're scared. They're, they're shaken to their core of their faith that, that their friend, the Messiah, there is going to leave them. And that's why we get to this chapter 14 where Jesus is reassuring them. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And our version says, believe in God, believe also in me. But I tend to like the other versions a little better. It says, trust in God. Trust also in me. You see, what Jesus is doing here is not commanding them to believe in some fact or some doctrine or some dogma. What Jesus is doing is to help them trust in the relationship that they've had over these past three years. My friends, re re rely on the relationship that we've built. Rely on the love that we have for one another. Rely on what you know, and, and you know me. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust me. Trust is hard, isn't it? And Thomas and Philip, he, they're representing the rest of the disciples, perhaps representing us. They continue to be troubled. They say, Jesus, what's going on? We want to know what's next. Jesus, give us something to know what's happening, what's to come. And I wonder how often we cry out with those same questions. When will my child talk to me again? When will I get that promotion? When will I overcome this addiction? When will this depression pass? When will I find joy? What happens next in life? And note that Jesus doesn't give them any concrete answers. Jesus simply says, I am the way. And here's what I need you to hear. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it, it's not a declaration of God's judgment or exclusion. This phrase, no one comes to the Father except through me, it's not a declaration of who isn't included. Rather, these statements are statements of the abundant promise of inclusion and love. See, remember this. Jesus isn't preaching this on the streets to anyone who will listen. He's not a street corner evangelist shouting out, hey, I am the way. No, Jesus is in the intimacy of this upper room. He, he, he's sitting with his friends. He's sitting with people he's had this relationship with for over three years, developing that trust, developing that bond, developing that love. And to them, to his friends, he responds to their questions saying, y'all, you know this. It's me. I'm the way. Verse 7, if you know me, you will know my father also. The, the, the if you know me, it's not a question. It's not conditional. 
It's a simple declaration of fact. I'm the way. If you know me, and you do, then you also know the one who loves us, who desires community, who fills this world with grace when we can't do it on our own. Jesus says, I am the way, know me. When nothing seems to make sense in life, know me, I am the way. When we see brokenness all around us, when we become overwhelmed, know me, I am the way. When we come to terms with our frailty and our mortality, the reality that we will all die someday, know me, I am the way. Do you notice that Philip misses the point? Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. And Philip responds, show us the Father. He goes directly to the end, to the conclusion. He so desperately wants to have arrived, to have made this whole journey with Jesus worth it, that he loses sight of the relationship along the way. He's willing to bypass the knowing Jesus part, the the trust and intimacy and love part, that he wants to go right to the finale. It doesn't work like that. If you want to experience all that God gives, if you want to experience the beloved community on earth as it is in heaven, if you want to break down the walls that separate us so that all would know God's love and joy and hope and peace, then you're going to have to know this new way. The way that teaches to love God and to love neighbor. The the way that invites strangers and misfits and outcasts all to the same table. The way that turns the other cheek, that, that flips the tables of power, that confronts systems of oppression, the way that is love. If you want to know God, then you must know this way. You know, earlier, we, when we went back to chapter 13 and I looked at some of the context, I, I skimmed over the timing of our passage, that it was just before the Passover meal. That's important. That they were sitting down for a meal. That they were sharing this intimate moment at a table. I remember the story that I read. It was in an article years ago. And it was about a family that was going through some tough times. Uh, parents weren't getting along. Kids were arguing. Uh, fights were happening across all combinations, right? Parent to parent and parent to kid and kid to parent, kid to kid. And at some point, e- even the neighbors were starting to get worried. So finally, they decided to try out a family therapist. And, and even in the therapist's office, they were fighting. They were back to their old habits. They interrupted each other. They, they competed for attention, Uh, The mother was complaining that everyone dumped their concerns on her. The father complained that no one paid him any respect. Uh, The 10-year-old complained about all the yelling and screaming. The teenage son just sat there. It was clear to the therapist that no one was communicating with anyone else. And so the hour is about to run out, 
And the therapist realizes that she has to come up with something or the family will become unglued uh, completely. And she says something very simple. She says, hey, I have homework for you. Uh, It's something that you can all do. The only homework that you have is to sit down at the dinner table every night and eat together. And already the objections came out, right? We're too busy. We, we have to change our schedules. I hate cooking. I have homework. Uh, we're just going to keep fighting. The therapist, she, she held her ground. She, she insisted that the family share in this common meal every day. The father asked, you mean that's all the only advice you're going to give me? All this money we're paying you and that's all you got to say? So they tried it. And when the time came for the return visit, the, the teenager simply said, this is the best thing we've ever done. Now at least I know I can see my dad once a day. Something powerful happens at a meal. Something happens in the sharing of that space, in, in the vulnerability that happens at the table. And this is why we do communion. See, we, we follow in the tradition of doing communion with Jesus and his disciples, not because we've got it figured out, but because it is in us to be asking the hard questions, to be asking for direction, to be asking for what is left in life for us in those times of challenges in those times of brokenness we're left asking these questions not because we have this end result in mind but because we value the journey it is because jesus promises that he will be with us through it all and our questions brings us closer in relationship with jesus and with one another you know, a couple uh, during Advent or during uh, Lent, uh, we were uh, in a series, and we had invited people to write questions on uh, a card and to uh, tie it to a, a tree branch. Right? And we got about seventeen. We got exactly seventeen questions. Right? And I counted them, and I, I read them over, and I was praying over them. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to bring them into uh, conversation for us. And I want to say, of the seventeen, nine of them were about heaven. How do I get to heaven? What does heaven look like? Who will be in heaven? Who won't be in heaven? Questions like this. And there's something useful in asking these questions. There's something meaningful in trusting that we may not know. Both can be true. The other questions were about what happens if my marriage is falling apart? Why is evil in the world? How do I reconcile with a loved one? Those questions, too, don't have certainty as answers. But Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. Bring your questions. Bring your doubts. Bring all that you carry with you. Because when we gather at the table, we trust that God invites us all there. And we get to share in that meal with one another, right? We get to ask those questions with one another. We get to name that we don't know. I don't know. 
and we get to celebrate that together we are gonna be on this journey. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna come to the table, we're gonna recognize and remember the night when Jesus gathered with his friends around him, these friends who would betray him, who would doubt him, who would uh, leave him and would be scattered, and he still gathered with them anyway. And so look around, turn to your neighbor, just look, scan, Notice the beauty of those here online, on site. Notice the beauty of diversity and of difference. Be comforted that no one here knows the right answer, myself included. But we promise to be with each other on the journey every step of the way. That's why we do what we do. All right, all right. So that was our first sermon of this series, Fundamentals of Faith. We want to continue to encourage you to have those questions to move from what we might have thought to be certainty to the mystery of who God is and the abundance of God's presence so much that we can't even begin to comprehend. Uh, I hope that if you have questions, you feel free to reach out to me or your pastor um, and continue those conversations so that we can draw closer to God and to one another. Uh, check out next week when we continue the series, Fundamental Faith. We're going to go to the book of Acts. We will talk to you soon. Have a great week.